Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, Michael. We have the unique opportunity this afternoon to welcome Brian Gordon, who is a principal with Applied Analysis, an operation that uh, we're all familiar with, uh, leads a lot of trends in this town are predicted by their organization. Uh, Brian is a graduate of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, with uh, a bachelor's of science and business administration. Uh, he is also a CPA and has the added distinction of an accredited business valuation uh, expert. Uh, he is the author of the Las Vegas Quarterly Market Report, which his firm produces, uh, and he heads up the sales track, the firm's residential research arm. So with that, we welcome to our podium, Brian Gordon. Wow, exciting stuff. Thank you for that introduction. I don't know how you had all that memorized either. That's pretty good. Where's Randy? Randy, I promise I won't tell Sally that you didn't get the hockey tickets, okay? I won't let her know how close it got. Yeah, I know. That was pretty good, right? <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. This is a good group. I have a lot of familiar faces, so glad to be here. I think my last uh, visit here was probably sometime during Randy's presidency, maybe four or five years ago, and a uh, good group. I like the room and a lot of good energy. You guys do a lot of stuff here for the first hour. I think he's just directing traffic, to be candid with you, but that was pretty good. Uh, so I thought I'd just kind of give you the 10 to watch here in Southern Nevada. This was the um, uh, the idea to kind of put forward the, the top things that we're monitoring from an economic standpoint here in Southern Nevada, some things we want to keep an eye on on a go-forward basis just to um, uh, keep tabs on, on where the economy's headed, where the real estate markets are headed, uh, just generally what's happening here in Southern Nevada based on who I'm seeing here. I think you guys probably already have this under control. Uh, that said, I'll walk you through. Let's start with number 10, business tax climate and what we're seeing in terms of where we rank in the, in the overall business tax climate. We, uh, you can see here, rank number five across the country, according to the Tax Foundation. They look a, at a lot of factors in terms of uh, our tax structure as well as other factors related to our pro-business environment. Uh, so we are well positioned to capitalize on future growth uh, uh, and migration of businesses here into Southern Nevada. I don't need to go through the laundry list, and I'm sure uh, President Michael could go through all the list of companies that they bring here to Southern Nevada, but this is one of the key reasons that makes it a lot easier to, to attract and, and retain some of these companies. If I had my business and I was moving, I'm thinking there's probably three companies on that, uh, three states on that list that aren't going to make the cut, so I think we're even in a better spot than uh, number five. Why is that individual income tax rate we all... 
in personal property tax or income tax here, as well as we rank number eight in terms of overall property tax rate. So uh, a lot of good things happening, uh, pro-business environment. One thing that we want to watch uh, going forward is what happens at the state legislature and how that might affect things. Uh, so in this next coming cycle, we've got uh, a number of potential seats up for re-election that have the potential to, to turn over. If governor's office. So um, a lot of change is coming. We want to keep an eye on what happens in this next election cycle. Professional sports, hockey team, there you go. Uh, $250 tickets or whatever they were. Uh, I think we're all well aware of what the Golden Knights are doing here in Southern Nevada. There's a lot going on though. Global uh, sports leagues, if you will. If we think back to maybe just a year or two ago, we had one team, a minor league baseball team, the 51s, uh, which have been here uh, forever. Um, which is a good thing. And then what have we added over the last couple of years? You guys know some of these logos and brands. So we are starting to become a major league sports town, and I think there's a lot of good reasons, a lot of reasons why that's good for the overall community, and, and uh, I think you've probably seen some of those pop up here in terms of the infrastructure. Where will we see some of the other additions on a go-forward basis is that we have some potential to see some other professional sports franchises come here to Southern Nevada based just on how we're seeing some of the early indications of some of the teams performing here. Uh, some of the infrastructure I mentioned, T-Mobile Arena, what we're seeing there, the Las Vegas slash Raiders Stadium. Uh, I know you guys were disappointed. Originally, my business partner was supposed to be speaking to you today. I think he was reviewing uh, like 87,000 contracts between the Stadium Authority Board and the Raiders and their lenders and anybody else that wants to be involved in that process, so he couldn't make it. But uh, nonetheless, there's a lot going on there, and it is moving forward at this point. So good news there. The ballpark, you probably read about the groundbreaking up in Summerlin for the minor league baseball uh, stadium. So again, a lot of money being invested here in the community. Commercial real estate. we got com commercial real estate folks here. What's happening in the market? A lot better than we were, right? Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but if we look at rents just from a retail office, industrial standpoint, uh, we saw these highs, we saw things drop off, we're now starting to see some momentum and some traction in terms of overall rents. Don't let some of the numbers fool you, we're seeing a mix in the product type that's being developed too. We're seeing some of those bigger industrial boxes that have come to market. Companies like Amazon and, and some big players that are coming to North Las Vegas and other parts of the valley. Uh, so rents are sort of moderating a bit. but. Overall, we're seeing upward pressure on pricing, so that's a good thing. Development costs aren't getting any cheaper, by the way. Labor, construction costs, land, all that good stuff. We'll let Matt talk to you about that at some point. Uh, vacancy rates improving across the board. Uh, retail, office, industrial, we're seeing some pretty solid gains there in terms of uh, the overall vacancy rates. And then what's happening in the development side of the equation? Under construction and planned space, we're seeing some pretty good uh, pickup in the industrial market, a lot of demand. In the industrial sector, we were undersupplied there for a point in time where we just didn't have the capacity to bring in new folks. And so now uh, those businesses have some opportunities to relocate uh, distribution, big box uh, uh, facilities here in, in southern Nevada. The office market's starting to stabilize, so we're starting to see a little bit more pickup there on the office side of the equation. And then retail uh, has been relatively stable, tracking generally with population growth. And so that's a, that's a good thing in that 8% range in terms of overall vacancy rates in the retail market. The tourism industry, the core of what is Southern Nevada, right? A third of the overall employees here in Southern Nevada are dedicated directly to the tourism industry. And a couple of things I just wanted to hit on first, McCarran International Airport, we're seeing all-time highs in terms of passenger volumes going through McCarran. 
Uh, we rank number eight uh, nationally in terms of the eighth busiest airport across the country. Importantly to think about is that we are the number two busiest airport when you talk about folks that are either originating or uh, uh, Las Vegas is their ultimate destination. So when you strip out all of the um, passengers that are just flying through McCarran on the way to their ultimate destination, we rank number two. So that's pretty, pretty strong. I've got a hand in the back. Who's number one? I, uh, you know what? I think it's uh, actually Atlanta. I think they're number one on both lists, but I can check that out for you. Uh, visitor volume overall, again, we saw all-time highs about mid-17. We saw some trail off in the back half of 17, so a little bit of a, a, a slowdown there, but pretty impressive when you think about 42 million people getting in a plane, car, however they're getting here and making their way to Las Vegas. Uh, remember, those numbers reset on January 1 of every year. Uh, in terms of uh, the convention side of the business, that's been relatively strong. You can, you can see we're, we're expanding uh, at a pretty healthy pace. We've got about 6.6 .6 million convention travelers that have come to Las Vegas in the past uh, year, uh, and that's uh, been a catalyst for additional development activity in southern Nevada. Right now, or as of last year, we had about 11.5 million square feet of convention space here in the market. You can kind of see where it's distributed. Obviously, the resort corridor is the key beneficiary of all that activity the major facilities that are along the Las Vegas Strip and around uh, the resort corridor, a uh, pretty sizable number in terms of convention facilities. If we look at where we're headed, though, when we think about the new projects that are on the horizon, we've got about $14.7 million in total that we may be looking at over the next five to seven years. We have the Las Vegas Convention Center expansion. We have uh, major resort properties like Aria bringing on new products, Park MGM, MGM Grand is also investing in additional convention facilities. Resorts World has space programmed in there. Uh, the Drew is up to another half million square feet once that project kicks off. I'll talk a little bit more about that one. But a lot of new inventory coming to the market. We probably need uh, another uh, two million convention travelers to fill all that space if it's all built. Uh, so we'll take some time to absorb that, but we'll work our way into that. We want to keep an eye on that one going forward. The construction sector obviously is doing much better than it was, not as great as it was at the height of the market, but I don't know that any of us want to be there, to be quite honest with you. Uh, we had about 112,000 workers in the construction industry, and I know it's old, but you remember when we were building, we had construction workers building houses for construction workers, right? I mean, that was literally what was happening during that 04 to 06 time frame. We couldn't bring them in fast enough. Uh, and then we know what happened when the music stopped. We saw sharp contrast in terms of the construction sector, sharp downturn, and now we're starting to see some improvements. That is the fastest growing sector of the local economy, and we want to keep an eye on that going forward. This just gives you a sense of where we tracked uh, at the height of the market. We had uh, about 11% of the local employment was focused specifically in the construction sector. Nationally, uh, that figure was about half that. And then you kind of see the ebb and the flow, and today we're looking at about 7% of the overall employment base is in the construction sector. And if you talk to any developers, they can't find enough people today. The economy forward, uh, this is the fastest growing states across the country in terms of overall population growth. We ranked number two last year. We've got the latest data coming out here in Vegas, and we continue to be up year over year. You can see the statewide uh, population growth expand about 2%. Uh, pretty impressive when you think about uh, um, what's happening throughout the balance of the United States. So in the past year here in Southern Nevada, 
We added about 58,000 employees on a, on the year-over-year -year basis. This is a net number, not a gross number. So this factors in people leaving as well, because believe it or not, some folks do leave. Um, that equates to 6.7 people moving into Southern Nevada every hour of every day throughout the entire year. Pretty amazing in terms of the overall population growth. Net, important to know that. Housing market, what's happening in the housing market? I think this is near and dear probably to all of us in terms of what's happening in the housing market. Spend a little bit of time on this. New and resale home closings. Remember what the new home market looked like in 03, 04, 05? People were sleeping out and waiting to get in line to buy a house. That seemed normal at that time, right? Not so much. Uh, we kind of know how that played out, but you see the trend line in terms of what happened there in the new home sector. New homes are starting to increase their overall market share. About 16% or so of all homes being sold are in the new home sector. Again, prices are edging up pretty strong as well. Year-over-year -year growth rates, you can kind of see what that means. Here's the price points in terms of the medians, new versus resale. There's a premium there on the new, new home side of the market. No surprises there, but you have a lot of other things that factor into that. New home efficiencies, they tend to be larger homes. They tend to be located on the periphery of the valley where land costs are higher. Uh, a lot of factors contribute to why we're seeing higher prices there, but we're still seeing pretty sustained pace of sales in the new home market, and that's probably a good thing as we start to uh, face some challenges on the resale side. I'll walk you through new home permits, um, how many units are being permitted by year, again, the point here is that we've seen this ebb in flow and we're seeing a much more stable, sustainable pace of growth in the housing market. I think that's a good thing for all of us. Actively selling subdivisions, where are the new homes located? Around the Beltway, Southwest, Northwest, where the access is and where the vacant lands are, to be candid with you, where they're coming from. So again, gives you a feel for where all the new home developments company coming from. We'll continue to see retail follow on in some of these areas, major master plan communities being a key driver of where we're seeing a lot of that growth. On the resale side, just over one month of effective supply on the market today. You kind of see the trends over the years, woefully undersupplied in the resale market. You have a lot of folks out there looking for homes and they just can't find it, right? You probably heard the horror stories. We still have cash buyers in the market. Uh, there's just not enough inventory in the resale market, and so uh, this is reflective of that latest trend. And importantly, when we break down the availability in the market by price range, we start to see where we're having the challenges. Uh, anything priced under $300,000 per unit is showing reporting an even uh, lower level of availability, and so you have some of those first-time home buyers that are trying to enter the market or just struggling to identify opportunities to acquire resale homes. Distress in the market has essentially gone away, so I think we're all in a much better situation in terms of uh, the, the profile of homeowners uh, and what that looks like. Foreclosure volumes have essentially come to a standstill at this point, so uh, we're on much better footing there. And then if we look at the number of home, homes that, mortgages that are in default, we saw this peak out in about the fourth quarter of 2009, and you can see where we're at today. This has essentially become a non-issue for Southern Nevada homeowners. I guess not for 22,000 of them. What do the mix of sales look like um, on, a, on, a, on an annual basis here? The split, when you talk about distressed home sales, you think about auction sales, uh, foreclosure sales, REO sales. They're a modest share of the total. In the last month, it's really about 3% overall. 
that annual total still catching up from some of the data from earlier in 07. So again, we're on a, on, on a better uh, foundation here in the housing market. Housing affordability, I've kind of alluded to this. This is a, an issue that we want to keep an eye on pretty uh, closely. Uh, we hear a lot of people talking about housing affordability challenges. We know a lot of uh, businesses here in Southern Nevada, uh, tourism operators, uh, casino companies, construction companies, a lot of folks are dealing with challenges related to housing affordability. I just want to share one chart with you and walk you through this. So you walk into your lender today, you think about you want to get a loan on a home. Uh, we've got our lender that says, hey, you can only use about 30, 33, 35% of your income on housing costs. So good luck to you. And here's your pre-approval letter and you can't find anything in the market. Nonetheless, if we look back historically, how the median incomes compared to the median home prices, we were in a pretty good range there. That gray shaded area you see kind of in balance in terms of home prices. Uh, versus uh, overall incomes, and then we know what happened starting in about 2004, right? Uh, home prices shot up and incomes didn't follow suit, at least not on a relative basis. So you had home prices were outstripping incomes pretty significantly during that time. And then what happened? The crash, the fall off, home prices plummeted, and not everybody was able to maintain their income. But on, a, on an average basis, you look at how home prices compared at that point when we had the the resale median home price was like $100,000 per unit that was being sold. We had investors jumping in and gobbling up all that inventory. Uh, nonetheless, homes were very affordable at that point in time. We just didn't have anybody with credit that could purchase them. So here's where we're at today. This is the estimate through 17. The official personal income uh, data aren't necessarily out yet. But we're, we're right in the band of where we should be in terms of home prices, relative to incomes. We are seeing incomes start to rise in that 3 to 5% range. Uh, overall, home prices are escalating at a faster pace, so this is starting to become a concern and something we want to keep an eye on. But things are much more in balance, maybe, than they have been at any time over the last decade. Um, and people should be in a better position to be able to acquire residential properties. Again, something to keep a close eye on on a go-forward basis. Employment growth. This is key, obviously, to what happens in the overall economy. Uh, employment growth rankings, guess what? Yes, number one overall, the state of Nevada uh, on a year-over-year -year basis expanded at 3.3%. Um, again, impressive performance, while the national average was about 1.6%, so more than double what's happening as a, in the nation as a whole. Employment growth, we're at an all-time high. Uh, you can see the trend line on the left and year-over-year -year growth rates, again, Pretty impressive growth, 2 3%, 3.5%, 84 consecutive months of year-over-year -year growth. We're starting to see uh, some pretty uh, healthy, a healthy pace of recovery um, and a relatively tight labor market. Unemployment rates are, are plummeting to near uh, lows. Uh, in terms of rankings, how we compare to mar other markets outside of Southern Nevada, fourth fastest growing in terms of major metropolitan areas. Pretty impressive. Uh, we only lag Orlando, uh, Riverside, San Antonio. We actually beat out Austin in this last report. So, again, pretty impressive growth uh, across the country, across the board for us. Uh, the last one I want to just hit on major investments. I've talked a little bit about some of these as I've gone through, um, but I want to hit on a few of them. I've got the eye chart here for you, especially the, you in the back. Uh, I don't expect you to see this. All I want to tell you, there's a lot of projects on here that are in the pipeline. In terms of notable projects, I saw that back there. You, you squint, glasses up, down, I get it. Um, big projects to small projects. I'm not going to tell you all these are going to happen. 
I'm not going to tell you which ones aren't going to happen either. Um, you can probably guess on a couple of them, but a lot of them are under construction already, and, and that's an important thing. Here's the back half of the list, and the only number you need to know is the, the bottom one here. That's almost $19 billion of major projects that are in the pipeline today. I know it's a big you know, headline number. It's important. Not all of that's going to come to market. At the same time, we've got some projects on here. DND, if you can read that, did not disclose. There are other projects on there uh, that have been announced that don't necessarily have price tags. I'll walk you through a couple of those, but this number is well in excess of $20 billion when you talk about how much investment is going to be taking place here in Southern Nevada, potentially. I'd probably say at least half of that is already in the books and moving forward. We were talking about the stadium deal that's uh, moving forward, and, and so you know you got another $2 billion included in that number. Resorts World, these are the part where I just put up pretty pictures and you don't have to look at me. That's really the point of this. Wind Paradise Park, you know, a billion and a half project. Convention Center, another billion four. Switch is investing a billion in Southern Nevada. Park MGM, I don't know if you've driven by the old Monte Carlo. The signs are torn down. Stuff's happening there. We're going to bring the monorail down by Mandalay Bay. Uh, the Spaghetti Bowl, fun, right? I'll leave that one alone. Caesars Forum, this is one of those convention facilities uh, back behind the link. Uh, pretty impressive going to be a major uh, convention facility uh, owned and developed by Caesars Entertainment. Medical buildings, aristocrat gaming manufacturers bringing their, their offices here, excuse me. Uh, Fly Link, you guys are all ready to do this, right? Zip line down uh, the link uh, over on the east side of the Las Vegas Strip. We've got convention facilities at MGM I mentioned. The Drew, who knows what the Drew is? Yes, the former Fountain Blue, right? That's the uh, structure that's standing there today. It was well underway and stalled out, what, about 2007, about a decade ago, something like that. It's been sitting there vacant, recently got acquired. Somebody's now move, moving forward with it. It's called the Drew. My guess is there's another, I don't know, what do you got, Matt, another billion and a half to build this thing, something like that, right? Major project. That was one of those did not disclose the prices, right? So they that, a decade ago, that thing started, it looks like, that's ultimately going to move forward. Things like the Marriott, brands like the Marriott are going to occupy that building. Um, how about this one? You guys know about this one? Sphere Las Vegas, uh, the Madison Square Gar Garden project. Anyone from Las Vegas Sands here? Nobody from Las Vegas Sands, Palazzo Venetian? Okay, that's good to know. So Dr. Gordon here is involved in the Las Vegas Perspective. Are you guys familiar with this event and publication? book of economic data comes out once a year. When is it? May 15th? This is shameless self-promotion, by the way. Tuesday, May 15th. Sign up. Do all that good stuff. You get like this big book of data, some good presentations, better than this one. A lot of good stuff. But here's, here's where we, 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 our first book that we did for the Las Vegas Perspective was in 2007, a decade ago, right? Kind of like when the Fountain Blue was going. They didn't know what they were getting into. Look what this, we did a decade ago. We knew <laughs> what was going to happen from the Palazzo, right? That's the real cover of the book. Do you believe that this came to me at about 10 o'clock last night? So I hope it worked. We already had visions for the sphere on the Las Vegas Strip. So there it is. We were ahead of our time by about a decade. That's what I've got. I was told I have time for questions. I don't really know if I do, but... I'm happy to take them, and right, Michael right tells here. me if there's a microphone, that should go around. Are we uh, counting 
cranes in the sky anymore? We are. Um, I don't have the number, but we've seen a lot of them, right? We, there are a lot of them coming up at uh, the old Echelon Project, Resorts World. The stadium site has a number of them up now. And so um, that's, you know, that's the state bird, right? The crane? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something about Amazon. What is that about? If you don't know what Amazon is, you're in the wrong room. I'm being sarcastic. So Amazon recently uh, uh, leased uh, about 450,000 square feet of industrial space up in North Las Vegas. They already have a number of facilities here in Southern Nevada, but um, that's, a, that's a big transaction and a big uh, building, uh, almost a half million square foot building. So pretty massive. They're just making big investments in a number of markets, and we're just happy to be part of that. Do we see any expansion of I-15 South? Expansion of I-15 South, I'm assuming you're saying on the California side of the border. I wish, right? Is that the worst drive ever when that, when that thing's jammed up? Don't, don't, don't go back to California on Sunday night and don't come here on Friday night. I, you know, I, there's, there's been discussions for the last 20 years on that. I don't, I don't have a specific update. I just, I, I'm hopeful like you are. You didn't mention expansion, possible expansion of the monorail to the airport. Yeah, so the county has preliminarily approved an expansion uh, of the, the monorail uh, system to come down by Mandalay Bay, which would dump out in close proximity to the Las Vegas Stadium. Uh, they're also talking about the connection to, the, uh, to McCarran Airport, but I don't know that that element of it has been finalized yet. I know all, there's also a station being programmed uh, where that uh, sphere is in the back of the strip. Brian, thank you for a great presentation, something that's important to all of us. Tell us your take, and I'll call it just exactly the way I think it is, this resort fee increasing and the parking fees that the hotels and casinos are upping and charging. What's my, my take on it? That's dangerous. <laughs> look, I, you know, I, probably a couple of different ways to look at it. That, that said, they're either going to charge it through the room rate uh, as it relates to the resort fee. They're going to charge it through the room rate or they're going to charge it through the resort fee. To me, it's all the same. They're charging the customer for the stay and the experience, and customers don't want to pay it. They don't pay it. It's, it's all part of the room rate at the end of the day. There's some tax-related nuances that may benefit one entity or another in that regard. On the parking charges, um, you know, you, you hear the arguments that every major city in the country charges for parking, um, and so why aren't we? Um, I get that we never had it before. Um, at the same time, these guys are maintaining massive parking structures for all those folks, and so, again, another way to extract another nickel out of the consumer to help the bottom line, and so... Um, I think almost all of the major gaming companies have transitioned to, to uh, charge parking uh, fees, and it just seems to be the way it is. And you know, you tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Who thinks we're killing the goose that laid the golden egg? By show of hands. Okay. Good. Good mix. I I, I certainly see arguments for both sides. Absolutely. Can you shed any light on 
what you think the marijuana industry is going to have an impact on our economy. I know there's other states that are recording record sales, but how will it affect, do you think, our health care, taxes? I mean, any insight on that? No particular insight on that type of question, but um, look, the, from a fiscal standpoint, it's a revenue generator. Um, from a social standpoint, that, that's just a, that's a different ballgame. Brian, what do you think is going to happen out in Apex? Is John Lee going to get his industrial development? President Michael said he was going to get Faraday back here. <laughs> no, that didn't come out of your mouth, did it? No. Look, I, at some point, we are going to need that land. Um, and maybe not today, but as soon as that infrastructure is there and, and uh, developers see that as a viable, viable opportunity, I... I I do think that the land is going to be needed. Um, it's just going to be a question of when. What's your thought on Lennar buying Cal Atlantic and some of these other builders and sort of squeezing out small home builders out here in Las Vegas and their connections that they're developing with like Amazon and solar companies and stuff like that where they're sort of shoving stuff down the buyer's throats in terms of our market being a seller's market? Yeah, the consolidation in the of the industry isn't necessarily a surprise. I think I mentioned it earlier, the, the con cost of construction is rising, the cost of land is rising, just development costs are on the rise. Um, at some point, there's downward pressure on pricing, and, you know, they're uh, for-profit companies that are trying to um, earn uh, a profit for their shareholders. And so consolidation is one way that allows some of them to combined forces and cut costs. Um, you know, maybe it provides fewer options, but I think some of those mergers are intended to still provide a wide range of, of products and, and even different brands in some instances. But um, So that you know is just a force of nature. I think we saw that in the gaming industry um, at one point, just the, the consolidation that took, took place for operational efficiency purposes. Um, you know, I think they're also getting creative to try and... Um, maximize profits by integrating, you know, products that they're, they're using anyway or at least offering. And so it's just another way for them to, to try and uh, generate shareholder value. One more? I heard of it. If I it went longer than 11th or 1.30, the, the doors slammed and everybody left. Uh, of course, in the past, we've always heard that the UNLV is... Uh, attractive to in many ways, but in other ways it's not really attractive to the real big uh, commercial enterprises to come here. Uh, do you have a position on that? In terms of UNL, UNLV's stature? Look, I, Attraction for employees and their children and their companies. Yeah, look, I think UNLV has had its challenges over, over time. There's no doubt about it. I'm a product of the UNLV uh, uh, business school. Um, but Yes, they need to raise their profile. They need to do more uh, in, in terms of research, in terms of um, the quality of the education. I think I think there there are uh, a number of areas for improvement, and I, and I think they're trying to make strides in some of those areas. And you know, I think we're seeing some of the increased investments, like the medical school and others. I, I think you know we need to be doing some of those things to make it more attractive and. Um, you know, generate a better product out of that system, no doubt. Okay. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much.
Brian said he will stick around for a couple of minutes if you have any questions that we didn't get to. So Brian, I would like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, where we will donate a hot meal to a homeless vet in your name. So pause and smile. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And like I always say, Rotary is like tennis. The one who serves best usually wins. Now go forth and make a difference. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.